morning's sermon is uh, going to be a little different, if I can ever find it. Um, I'm not going to just read the uh, text like I normally do and espouse what I see there. Rather, we're going to talk about a story. It's the story of Scripture. It's based on Mark chapter 5 and the things that, that happened in Mark chapter 5. But this morning, I want you to see it in a different light. Uh, I want you to try to experience the story just like the person in the story does. I want to take a trip back in time. Imagine you're a woman. Pick your age. The Bible doesn't tell us her age. It just says it's a woman. A normal woman under normal circumstances, but as it stands now, you're, you're a pitiful soul. You're a woman alone. Honestly, you're so alone, we don't even know your name in Scripture. We just know you're a woman. We just know that you've been dealing with something that, that no one should have to deal with. An issue of blood. That's what the Bible says. If you don't know, it's assumed to be menstrual cycle related, but it's been going on for 12 years. For 12 years you have been bleeding. It's caused, I'm sure, physical problems. Maybe, maybe some anemia, some weakness. Most certainly infertility. Pain. Suffering. You've gone to doctors. I mean, right? You, you go to a doctor when you're sick. Because if you can't figure it out, if Tylenol doesn't fix it and you can't put a Band-Aid on it, you've got to find out what's wrong. When you've gone to doctors, you've done what you're supposed to do. They've given you these treatments and you've tried them, but they've all failed. In fact, everything you try just seems to make it worse. And nothing is working. You spent all your money, everything you had, trying to get this under control. And now you're broke, you're in pain, you're weak, and this issue messes with your entire life. According to the book of Moses, the, the law, you're what is unclean. You're unclean. Leviticus 12 says a woman who becomes pregnant and gives birth to a son will be ceremonially unclean for seven days. And on the eighth day, the boy is to be circumcised. And then the woman must wait 33 days to be purified from her bleeding. And Leviticus 15, any other discharge of blood, when she's cured, it's, it's seven days. So honestly, we don't know... Even if she could get the bleeding to stop, how long she would be unclean for? And she's already been living with this. She's been, you've been dealing with all these things. You're unclean and you're required to tell people that. You're required to tell people that, that you're unclean. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine having to tell people what's going on? And if she didn't and others saw, they would yell at as she approaches, UNCLEAN! Because there's a negative reaction. Because I can't get the next to somebody unclean. Because if I touch the unclean, I'll become unclean. And when you're unclean, it messes with everything. Because it wasn't just strangers. Anything you touch becomes unclean. Your children. You can't fix food for your family. You can't wash the clothes. You can't clean your house. Can you imagine, Mom, your three-year-old running to you with a skin knee and you can't doctor the boo-boo? 
because you're unclean. You can't hug your kids. You can't put your hand on their shoulder. You're barred from going to church. You're barred from making a sacrifice. You're alone. You're alienated. You're by yourself. It's not like you have to try. You've done everything. You've given it all. Energy, money, hope, trying to find that cure. Everything is gone. But there's one last mustard seed of faith that this Galilean might be able to help. You heard about Jesus, this rabbi. You may have even heard him speak from a distance, of course. You heard he was in peril. I've got to get to him. He's doing it for others. Gotta get to it. At the top of the hill, maybe you turn the corner, your hope almost goes away. There's a crowd. A bigger crowd than you've ever seen. And all of them want Jesus. Mothers with babies. People who have friends who are blind or sick. The deaf, the hungry, the thirsty. All these clean people crowding Jesus. And then you can see who he's walking with. This is Jairus. He's the temple man. He's the cleanest of the clean. He's, he's the guy that, you know, he's, he's it. He's the one who's in control of stuff. But you're unclean. And by law, you have to announce it as you come to a crowd. But this time, this time you wouldn't. Despite the crowd. got to get to Jesus. Slowly you make your way through the crowd trying not to touch anyone. And it seems like he's getting farther and further and further away. There's no way to stop him. He's busy with, with Jairus anyway. You don't dare cry out. How easy would that be? Others in Scripture have. Son David, have mercy on me! But, but they, they were in a distance. And I'm in the crowd. And if I yell that, they're going to look. And they're going to see. And they're going to know. Everyone I'm now touching is unclean. And they're going to know that I've made them unclean. And they're not going to be happy. He's not going to talk to me anyway. If I can just touch his cloak, if I can just brush the hem of his garment, I, I will be healed. It's interesting to me here that the hem she's talking about is probably the prayer tassel that every Jewish man was required to wear. This, this reminder that they are connected to something greater. This reminder of a prayer life with God. This hymn that she touches. And she sees the opportunity. And she's almost there. And she reaches out. And she touches the cloak. And suddenly it's all different. Suddenly it stopped. Can't explain it. I don't know how I know. But I am healed. And it is good. And I am good to go. And man, I'm so excited. But I can't tell anybody. I can't tell them. Because they didn't know I was looking clean a second ago. They didn't know what was going on. But Jesus feels it too. Who touched me? Can you imagine the fear in that moment? You have snuck into a crowd. You have made everyone you have touched, according to the law, unclean. And Jesus feels it when you touch his garment and he stops. Oh no, he stopped. Can I get away? Maybe I can run. Maybe I can get out of here. But the crowd's too thick. The crowd's right there. And, and, 
And now I've touched this summon unclean woman. I've touched this holy rabbi and I made him unclean just as he was going to save a little girl's life. Think about that for a minute. By Jewish law now, because she had touched Jesus' cloak, he was now unclean. But yet he was going to the temple leader's house to save a little girl's life. What does that mean? That has to be going through her head. She's heard the rumor. She's heard the crowd talking. She knows where he's going. And now, according to the crowd's thoughts, she has put this little girl's life in danger. And there she is in the midst of the crowd. And, and by, by touching Jesus, she's made him unclean. At least he doesn't know it's me. I would be in so much trouble. But I'm healed. Amen. But, but why are we all still just standing here? When I was trying to get to him, he kept getting farther away. He was a man on a mission and now we stopped. Why are we all still just standing here? I need the crowd to go so I can go, so I can celebrate. Why are we standing? Why is he standing still? He's not moving. Why doesn't he just go on? He says he felt it. How can he? I touched his toes. Even his, even his guys are saying, come on, Jesus. There's too many people here. I touched his coat. How can he feel that? And as you fall at his feet, knowing you're going to receive no mercy, you tell him the complete truth. Jesus, I have been dealing with this for 12 years. And I knew that if I just came and if I just touched your cloak, if I, if, if I could just do it, I would be healed. And I am, but I know that I've made you unclean. heard the, the Pharisees berate people before for lesser things. Did, did I hear him right? Your faith has healed you? Go and be freed from your suffering? Surely, surely this is Funny how many obstacles we let get in our way of a relationship with Jesus. Work, school, kids, downtime, anything you can imagine that we start saying, well, I've got to do this or I would do it. We let things get in the way of the relationship. We get up in the morning thinking about what we have to do so we forget to take our time to talk to Jesus. I'll get to it later. But later in the day, we're still working. We're still going. We're still moving. This woman had obstacles. She had this condition. It made her weak. Kept her from contact with anyone. Kept her from worship by law. There was a crowd. Everyone there wanted a piece of Jesus. Everyone there wanted to hear from Him. Everyone there wanted to know something. Man, there was this crowd and she had to get to Him. I hate crowds. I mean, I would rather stay at home and watch a movie on my television set than go to an opening night somewhere and sit in the middle of a crowd. I don't like crowds. I just don't. 
Maybe it's because I was in too many of them when I was young, but I don't like this feeling. And so here she was under this crowd going, I need to get to him. I need to get there. I need to be where he is. She had this. We can't let these obstacles deter us from relationship with Jesus. And there they were, this whole crowd. And some were crowding him. They were all around him and bumping into the very fullness of God in the flesh. And no one else got healed. No one is accidentally blessed by Jesus. Think about that. You had a crowd there. What does the disciples say? Jesus, there are too many. They're all touching you. But none of them got healed. None of them went, oh, man, I'm healed. Now, no, they were touching him, but they weren't receiving that blessing. We're not accidentally blessed by Jesus. If Jesus blesses you, he chose to bless you. Your faith created that blessing. You're not asked, you can't just bump into Jesus and say, whoop, it just rubbed off on me. It didn't work that way. Your faith has healed you. You never see one time in Scripture where Jesus says, well, you got too close to me, so you're good now. It's always your faith has healed you. Your faith has touched this. Your faith has created this. We aren't accidentally blessed. We can't bump into, we can't bump into other Christians and suddenly, oh, we're okay. No. We've got to search out and do the things we're supposed to do. Jesus was busy with Jairus. Some were pushing him. Hurry up and get to Jairus' house. It's funny how we think we can push God into doing what we want him to do. <laughs> Come on, Jesus, come on, come on. Too often, we think we're serving a God who's too busy to involve himself with our issues. And perhaps, even more often, we feel that he's too busy helping others to be concerned with that one lonely, tired, broken individual. That's what she had to be feeling that morning, right? Jairus. There are other people. It's been 12 years already. She had to get to him. She had to fight the crowd and anything else that got in her way. She was determined to get to Jesus. God is willing to work with a willing will. The path to God is walked one decision at a time. And each decision must be motivated by faith in the Lordship of His Son. The path to faith it is what we need to walk. And it's too bad that most of the time, faith is our contingency plan. <laughs> we rely on ourselves. I'm going to get this done. I'm going to make sure this happens. I'm going to make sure I've got all my ducks in a row. And when it doesn't work, as a last resort, we say, Jesus, help. What if we started by saying, Jesus, help me and guide me. Jesus, show me the way. Show me what you want me to do. I heard a story the other day about a person who had a lot of contingency plans for their job. He was a signalman for the local railroad. And he, was, he asked to meet the inspector at the signal box. The inspector decided he was going to do a signalman test. He asked him, what would you do if you realized two trains were headed towards each other on the same track? He said, well, I would switch one train to another track. What if the lever broke? Well, then I'd run down to the tracks and use the manual lever down there. What if it had been struck by lightning? Well, then I'd run back up here and use the phone to call the next signal box. What if the phone was busy? Well, in that case, I'd run to the street level and use the public phone near the station. What if that had been vandalized? Well, in that case, I'll run into town and get my Uncle Leo. This puzzled the inspector. So he asked, why would you go and get your Uncle Leo? And he said, well, because Uncle Leo's never seen a train crash. <laughs> when we rely upon ourselves to do the things that 
crashing. When we rely on ourselves instead of God, we're not going to be where we need to be. We have to put our faith in God and allow the miracle-working power of Jesus to take over in our lives today. Whatever the problem is in your life today, whether it's physical pain or emotional suffering, emotional upheavals in your life, grief or worry, let God have it and let your faith cause a miracle to happen in your life. She had to touch the cloak. That woman did just that. She realized an important truth, and here it is. To be touched by Jesus, you've got to get close to Jesus. She had to get close to Jesus to be touched by Jesus. We have to get close to Jesus to be touched by Jesus. If we want to feel the blessings of Jesus in our life, if we want to have that relationship, we've got to get close. We can't think, well, me and Jesus, we have a long-distance relationship. You ever had a long-distance relationship? Those kind of fizzle most of the time. They, they, they're rough. Because, you know, absence makes the heart grow fonder, sure. But sometimes you forget about the person altogether. And that's what happens whenever we have a long relationship with Jesus. Because Jesus wants to be there. He wants to be in our lives. And if we want to be blessed and we want to walk in relationship, it's got to be a close relationship. We've got to be where He is. We've got to be talking to Him intimately to know His plan for our life. If you want to know what God's plan is for your life, get close to Jesus. That's the answer. Somebody else walk around going, well, if I only had a sign, here's your sign. Pick it up and read it. Spend time with God and say, God, show me, show me what your plan is for my life. Show me what it is that you have. She gets to Jesus, she touches him, and he feels the power go out. She touched his cloak, and he felt it. Her faith had touched his divinity. And notice what happened. He stopped. He stopped. Jesus stopped his urgent errand. There was a little girl dying, and an important man tugging at his sleeve, urging him to come quickly. The disciples were ridiculing him when he stopped to find out who it was that touched him. But the Lord knew that somebody needed him, and the Lord is never too busy to deal with anybody. You're not too small and minuscule for him to care because he's never too busy to deal with anybody. He'll stop. I mean, he was going with the most important guy in town to heal his daughter. And in that moment, this woman who had not been around anybody else for 12 years needed him. He stopped and gave her his full attention. He did. He stopped and said, here it is. He'll never keep going when someone comes to him in faith goes back to that you can't be accidentally blessed by Jesus. Because He feels it. He knows when we come to Him. He stopped to seek the one who sought Him. He didn't care that the social status of Jairus was higher than this woman in need. They were both equal in the eyes of Jesus. It doesn't matter who you are. Or if someone is more important than you and they're in front of the line, the line in front of you. I know I've told the story before, but I'm going to tell it again. My favorite secular job I ever had was what? Driving the train at the Fort Worth Zoo. I loved that job. But there was a day when a football star came in. Oh. Oh, shh. Can't say his name because it's going out of line. I don't want anybody to know. I don't want to get sued. I can't be richer than I am anyway, but. <laughs> but he came in, him and his whole family, wearing his jersey, dancing around, 
summertime. Big long line. He danced all the way to the front of the line talking about how much money he had. I'm watching this as I'm holding the training. And I walked up. He looked at me. He started to give me his ticket, and I said, No, sir. You go back to the place in line where you're supposed to be. Do you know who I am? I don't care who you are. I'm not the lady who bought the train, and I don't let her get the line either. So you go back where you're supposed to be. And he went back to the back of the line. He was mad, and people were going, Do you know who he is? I know who he is. I don't care who he is. Got him on the train. Do not stand up while the train's in motion. I get 400 feet out of the depot, and he stands up dancing on the train. So I stopped the train. And I said, sir, if you do not sit down, I'm going to call security and have you to move from the park. He looked at me, and I said, the train's not moving until you sit down. When Jesus looks at us, he doesn't care if we're a Dallas Cowboys star, only take the position, a Dallas Cowboys star, or if you're the homeless lady in the grocery store parking lot. We're all equal in his eyes. Doesn't matter if someone else more important than you is in the front of the line, because Jesus sees who we are, and he knows what our need is. Jesus looked at this woman. <laughs> And he saw her because God doesn't look at your social status. He looks at the individual. He looked at her as lovingly as possible and told her she was healed and freed from her suffering. Ooh. Can you imagine? You hadn't been around anybody in 12 years. Your life was in shambles. If you had kids, you hadn't touched them in 12 years. You had never cooked my meal in 12 years. I mean, you know, <laughs> there wasn't a time that I didn't go to Mama's house that Mama didn't fix us something. Today's my Mama's birthday, so I'm thinking about Mama a lot. So she always cooked. That's Mama's way to your heart, right? Mama cooks. That's who Mama is. Mama cooks. Mama didn't need to cook for 12 years. For 12 years, she's been unclean. And Jesus saw her. He told her she was healed. She got a miracle, but she had to be willing to go to any length to get it. There are great blessings awaiting those who follow after Jesus despite the cost just to touch the hem of his garment. Faith is rarely easy. There's a legend of a benevolent king who had his men place a great heavy stone on a certain roadway over which all his subjects have to travel. He then hid himself to see who would try to remove the stone. No one stopped to try to remove the stone, but all worked their way around it, loudly blaming the king for not keeping the roadway clear. Finally, a poor peasant farmer on his way to town with a load of vegetables, which he hoped to sell in the marketplace, came to the blocked roadway. He laid down his load, and with considerable effort and loss of time, managed to move the great stone to the side of the roadway. Then when it was turning to leave, he spotted a purse that was under the stone. He opened the purse and found it to be filled with pieces of gold with a note from the king indicating that it was all to be the property of the one who would remove the stone. God has a history of removing stones. Do you have a history of serving him? Of following him no matter the cost of the sacrifice? God can heal your infirmity today. He can shower great blessings on your life. 
But you have to be willing to fight the crowd. To push through. To touch his cloak. If you can just touch his cloak, fill the blank this morning. This morning, what is your blank? If I can just touch his cloak, what can God do for you? Because God can do it. He is a miracle-working God today. He can do it. Are you desperate enough? Will you go? That's what God has told us to do. We have to get close to Him and allow Him to tell us. Because God can do it. We have to be that person like the woman. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if it, if it goes against everything that everybody tells me. And everybody told her, just give up. Just make yourself a good house. Live by yourself. It'll be okay. That's what they were telling her. They'd given up on her. But she wasn't ready to be given up on. It was time. It was time to her to have something different. Maybe this morning, that's you. Maybe you were struggling. Maybe there is something that has been keeping you from all the things that you want in life. It's time to say, Jesus, I want it. Come to Him and say, Jesus, show me how. Maybe this morning you want to pray. The altar is open. I'll pray with you. Maybe you want to serve in missions or ministry. Maybe you want to join this church in membership. Maybe this morning you have some need I haven't mentioned. Now's the time. But maybe today you don't know Jesus. Maybe you've never known the one who came and died for you. Who gave his life so that you could be free. Now's the time. You walk down to Detroit. I want to know Jesus and we'll go from there. But wherever you're at, wherever you need, give it to him. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you right now and we thank you and we praise you for your blessings.